1: Welcome to The Campfire.
2: I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer.
1: Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips. Tricks. And discounts. Indeed.
2: Last week, we talked... To the Traveling Tortugas.
1: We did. We enjoyed talking to Rick so much. And he had so many wonderful adventures to tell us about that we couldn't get through it all. No. And so we're going to finish off our conversation today.
2: Yeah, we're going even more places and and seeing more things with Rick. And apparently a lot of you enjoyed that podcast because a lot of you downloaded it. (laughs) Thank you. uh, Hopefully you enjoyed it and hopefully you'll enjoy this week's as much as last week's further adventures with Rick and Kathy.
1: So did you know that 11.2 million households own RVs. Isn't that nuts?
2: Isn't that crazy? That's a lot of people.
1: Go RVing from the RVIA did a demographic profile.
2: The RVIA is the RV Industry Association. And by the way, when you buy a new RV, you see there's an RVIA sticker right by the door. And guess what? You paid for that survey with that (laughs) sticker. You paid for that
1: survey. The crazy thing is, though, in the next five years, 9.6 million, so almost the same number that already own an RV plan to buy an rv yeah so it's looking to double in the next five years for better or for worse and 84 percent of those people that are planning to buy are in the 18 to 34 year range so
2: yeah rving is changing
1: yeah it's definitely changing
2: our friend jason epperson from rv miles which is another great podcast that you might want to check out They actually do three, but anyway, Jason did a deep dive into this data, and so what I'll do is I will add a link to that video, and you can go, if you're interested in the stats that the RV Industry Association has produced. You can go and check them out. And Jason has a really good interpretation of some of these numbers, too. Mm -hmm. So I'll also put a link to the article from the RVIA, but you should be a member to see the whole thing. But you can still basically get all the information without being a member. You can get kind of the basics,
1: yeah. I thought that was really interesting to see that there's going to be a lot more RVers, so... Slide your chairs back. We got to build the campfire yeah, up a little yeah, we're bit more. To
2: make the campfire <laughs> a little bit bigger to accept 9.4 million more people. And it makes sense because it's such a great way to see the country, but it's a great way to road school or work from the road. I mean, the opportunities are out there. Absolutely. And there has been some movement on Starlink this past week. Right. Where they are starting to test out mobile-friendly versions of their things so it's exciting times yeah anyway how are we gonna get there
1: listen to this and you'll find out and right after that we'll hear some more from the traveling tortugas absolutely Remember that time we followed our GPS and ended up at the top of a cliff overlooking the campground?
2: Yeah, I had to back the trailer down a mountain road.
1: Remember the time we went on that twisty windy road and hit our awning on a tree?
2: Yeah, I do. But now those kinds of things aren't going to happen anymore thanks to RV Trip Wizard.
1: Right. RV Trip Wizard lets you plan your journeys before you go and then use their app on your phone or tablet to safely navigate that journey.
2: You can set parameters such as how far you want to travel in a day, how many miles you can go between fuel stops, and even read reviews of the campgrounds and places you want to go to. It all takes into account the size of your RV and more.
1: Then you can rest assured that your phone isn't going to lead you into trouble.
2: If you have an RV, you need RV Trip Wizard. Check it out on your discounts and deals page on stresslesscamping.com. Where you can also listen to our interview with RV Trip Wizard and learn about the whole RV life suite. Now, now that's stressless camping.
1: Last week we got to talk about a lot of your travels, and I think what we didn't really get is anything about your trip to Africa. Today we could follow up on that.
2: By the way, thank you for taking your time and spending yeah, it this with has us been here. Really, I really, really, really wonderful. It's
0: fun. We enjoy talking about ourselves. As most
1: people.
0: <laughs> There's a line near the bottom of our home page. It's in kind of larger, bolded letters. And it's a bit of a motto that I came up with to describe our travels and what we try to do. Explore, experience, learn, share, encourage. And so nice. that's what our website is about. And that's our, what our attitude about it is, that we want to encourage people. And people will write to us and say they've been inspired or encouraged. That's the reward. That's the payback. So... Given me a good chance to
2: do that. Yeah, your website is outstanding. I mean, not just as a resource for somebody who has the slightest inclination to do this, but also just the stories, the pictures. Yeah. When I saw that, I was writing a review of the tiger and I saw the link and I looked and I don't know, two hours later, that's when I emailed <laughs> you yeah. and I'm like, oh, I got to talk to these people because <laughs> they're fascinating. Well, thank you very much. No, I appreciate you making the time.
0: Your website's a labor. Of love, obviously anything like that has
2: to be. Yeah, but it's also very well done. You've done a good job at it. Thank you very much. You've done more off the beaten path, you know, like Africa and shipping an RV to Australia than anybody I've ever yeah, come across. For sure. Now I'm sure maybe there's other people who've done it, but I don't know them. <laughs> but, uh, there are other people, and
0: we've never been somewhere that someone else in an RV hasn't been before. Because we often find those places based on their reports and their websites and stories and things like that. And that's the encouragement. Right from the beginning, when we were first headed to South America, I mentioned an Australian couple that we were following online. And we literally, in those beginning times, followed in their footsteps. And our first two weeks in Africa, again, we were literally following in the footsteps of an English couple we know and stayed at each of their places until we kind of got our feet under us and branched out more on our own. That's how it works. And if somebody is able to do that from our website too, then that's the whole point. You're passing information forward and sharing it.
1: Yeah. And that's very comforting. If you're going to somewhere that's not only a new location, but a whole new country, it's very comforting to know that someone else has done it before. So, you know, it can be done. It's easy to figure out. And then Like you said, once you get your feet wet and you really know what you're doing, then you can go off on your own.
0: Then you do your own more. And even on the idea of boondocking and where is it safe to go wild camp or boondock, oftentimes we will not end up on the exact coordinates that somebody else had. Mm -hmm. But because we know there's that place that they found, we know it's okay to go into this area, take this road, wander down that way, and then we may well see a clearing or something that we like. Better than what they have. Right. May never get to their place, but their place being there on our screens is what got us out there to begin with. Yeah.
1: So
2: it all works that way. That's really good advice, actually.
1: We kind of did that. We went on a route that wasn't all that familiar to us. And just in California. So not as foreign <laughs> to, no. to anybody. No, but that's what I did was I looked for places like, oh, this looks like a place to pull off the side of the road. And then I looked for other people who had done it to make sure it was doable.
0: Yeah, right. Those resources are very helpful. And whether it's an individual website or like iOverlander or Compendium or yeah. FreeCamps.net or whatever it is, any of those sources do the same thing. They say, well, okay, other people have been out there, so I can go out there. And it just encourages you to expand your horizons.
2: Right. Bit. So in Africa, where did you start and how far did you get?
0: We planned an area of Africa we thought we could go to, which is Southern Africa, about 10 or possibly 12 countries we thought we might be able to do. We had hoped to get as far north as at least southern Ethiopia and through Tanzania, and we didn't get that far. And then we wanted to get around Lake Victoria, Uganda, Rwanda. We wanted to get up there too. And ultimately we didn't, and I'll get to where why we didn't. But we did explore and spend a total of 16 months in eight different countries in southern Africa. Now, Africa is... Divided into three sections, basically four, I guess, probably more likely. Southern Africa is obviously South Africa, and then without naming all the countries, the countries that adjoin that and then move up a little bit further. And then West Africa is the big bulge of Africa out into the Atlantic Ocean, and that's a whole kind of a separate species as well. North Africa, of course, is Egypt and Libya and Tunisia and Morocco, and that's very distinct. And then there's the whole Saharan region. Well, we weren't going to go into the Saharan region. And we've been to before and and loved Morocco. But we had no ability as Americans, really, to go to Egypt and Libya and these other countries there. Egypt, maybe, but not
2: the others. You can drive to Africa from Europe. They are physically connected.
0: They're physically connected. It's a very difficult trip. Sometimes it's safer to go down the west side. Sometimes it's safer to go down the east side. Sometimes it's not really safe anywhere. Because you think of the countries that are in there, And there's civil wars and uprisings, and we were not going to do that. We know people who have, and we know it's been very difficult for them. The bureaucracy, the border crossings, the visa situations, on top of all the road difficulties and the danger difficulties, are all very significant. So that wasn't going to be for us. So we were talking Southern Africa and up into Eastern Africa, East Africa being, again, Ethiopia, Tanzania, Kenya, those countries there. Southern Africa is very doable, and you can go there and rent an RV very easily, anything from a pop-up camper to a full-on Class C RV. You can ship your own vehicle there, as we did, and drive around. The visa situations, the borders are not difficult. The insurance is available. It's a pretty well-established area. And then you can branch out from the main highway kind of touristing to go on back roads and out-of-the-way places as much as you want to but it's easy enough to do the general thing. South Africa, Namibia, Botswana, Zambia, these are countries that are quite doable. And so we spent most of our time in those areas, spent a lot of time in Zambia. We love Namibia. South Africa has its social issues, as we do here in the U.S. in many ways, but it still is a beautiful country and it's quite easy to travel in. It's a lot like traveling in the States.
2: So what preconceived ideas did you have of traveling in africa and then how were those different once you got there
0: our preconceived notions were pretty accurate because they were based on other travelers mostly and other travelers information okay not that we don't use tour guides and things like that but over the years we've used those less and less because they're more based on hotels motels restaurants things like that so our days of relying on a lonely planet or something are behind us but using other travelers information we pretty much knew what to expect The roads in places were worse than we were prepared for. As the driver, I was concerned about mud at rainy seasons and all the things you hear about that can happen in these areas, because they have distinct dry seasons and wet seasons. In the Southern Hemisphere, it isn't quite the same as in, in the Northern Hemisphere, the U.S., where you've got spring, summer, fall, winter, that kind of even thing. In the Southern Hemisphere, it's more dry and wet, and the temperatures don't seem to change as much as they do here. So I was trying to avoid wet seasons and planned a route saying, well, we don't want to go there now because it's probably going to be wet. So we'll come back here later. It turned out during the full year and a half, almost that we were there, it was a time of drought and we we hardly saw rain at all. And so the muddy road aspect that I was concerned about wasn't an issue. Everything was very dry since then. We have friends in Namibia. We just heard from them this past week and they had a very rainy, rainy season. And now everything's green and lush and tall grasses and things. And we never got to see any of that. At the same time, we're not, we were never slipping and sliding around in the mud. <laughs> yeah. Pulled out and things like that. So it's a mixed blessing or a curse, depending on how you look at it. So that's one thing. When I say the roads were worse, there are lots of paved roads in Africa. And there, many of them are perfectly fine. In South Africa, especially, that's the most developed country by far. And a lot of paved roads, most of them quite good. Many of them excellent. When you get off onto the dirt, then it's more chancy. In South Africa, not mad. In Botswana, absolutely abysmal roads, yeah. just terrible roads. Hmm. Tanzania, even worse. And there are reasons for that, one reason for that, at least, is that the areas of Africa that are heavily tourist,ed 99.9% of that is fly-in safari travel. And so right. people are flying in, they're met at the airport, they're whisked off in a bus or a van or an off-road truck or something like that. And they go pounding around for two weeks or one week or whatever it is to see as much as they can. And the tour operators operating those vehicles just hammer the roads to death. And the countries don't have the resources to properly maintain the dirt roads. And so they get very corrugated, very rough, very difficult for the independent traveler. And the tour companies don't maintain the roads because they don't really care. (laughs) The individuals who have their own vehicles are the locals and they don't have any power to say anything about it. And then we come in with our truck from America and the roads are just really, really bad. Hmm. So that's in the most touristed areas. Again, Botswana, Tanzania would fit into that category. When we would talk to other travelers and we would say, boy, these roads are really a challenge, aren't they? They would say, well, the further north you go, the worse they will be.
2: Interesting.
0: Wow. <laughs> and we found that to be true as well. And that's part of why we never went as far north. So you know, weather and road conditions are the main Things you try to have understandings about, and then they were what we expected, except on the roads, maybe even worse. In terms of the other things, you go to Africa to see the animals.
2: Right. And yeah. that was
0: just a life changing, marvelous, wonderful experience. I don't care how bad that road was that got me there to have those elephants that close and those monkeys running over the top of the truck, huh. and then the zillion different times of antelope chewing on the grass, you're 20 yards away and not caring that you're there. The national parks are spectacular, not in terms of infrastructure like we think of, or even natural beauty like we think of, you go to Yellowstone or something like that, but because the animals are protected and they're there, and they're just there. I mean, they're just everywhere. You know, you read about, and it's true, of course, how many fewer animals there are now than there were 20 or 50 years ago, and that's all true. But there's still plenty of them there, and you still... It's still easy to
2: see them. The stereotypical reason to go to Africa, which is to see the wildlife, is absolutely the case then. I yes. wasn't sure if it was like, you know, when I was a kid, there was Lion Country Safari. And basically, yeah. it was a park that you drove through and you saw lions and tigers. Tigers and, that. and
1: bears, oh my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And that was it. And I wasn't sure, you know... Is it like that in Africa, this one small section for the people, for the tourists? Or, but apparently not. No, so that's no. really cool.
0: Yeah. And that's anybody who's thinking about going to Africa, you actually should go. I mean, there's no question in our minds. We would never suggest anybody not go. Whether you go the way we did in your own vehicle, go there and rent. The rental van, four-wheel drive, RV industry is huge, particularly South Africa, Botswana, and particularly those countries. And the chances to see the animals are just amazing. Everything, you know, you won't be disappointed. The different forms and different ways of doing it affect whether you want to be on your own and be independent or be in a group. That's the first decision. And then if you're going to be in a group, there are various choices from relatively affordable to outlandishly luxurious and expensive. And you have to review those kinds of things. Well, the other factor, of course, is your time frame, how much time you can spend. And you have to make those kinds of calculations based on your own life. But a really, really good way to go to Africa, in my mind, having been there, is to fly in for a month or two at a time, rent a four-wheel drive camper arrangement of some sort. And there's quite a range to choose from. And then plan your trip and go and explore a country or a, a small region. Don't try to do the whole thing in a month or two. Right, Go and explore a region. And then if you really, really love it, which you probably will, a couple of years later, do it again in a different place. That's really practical.
2: And you did it differently. You yeah. shipped your motor home to Africa and spent, you said, a year and a half there?
0: Yeah, just about. That's the way we think and the way we do. And it works really well as well. And Africa is the only place we've been that I say this about. But the difficulties of the roads make it hard to have the right vehicle. Oh. In other words... Our Tiger, you're familiar with what our Tiger is like? Yeah. yeah. Built on a Chevy Silverado chassis. It's a great vehicle. In South Africa, we didn't have enough ground clearance.
2: Interesting.
0: These rainy seasons I was talking about that we never ran into produced tremendous runoff and rutting of the roads. As we were getting near Tanzania, heading north, we got to a section of road where I couldn't find a way through the ruts without dragging the chassis of the truck and and getting stuck. It was just, I couldn't huh. find a way through
2: When you describe bad roads, I I didn't realize it was that bad of roads. Yeah.
0: Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, was, I wasn't doubting I mean, you,
0: but, there, you know. There are roads that are rutted and cor They call it corrugation there. Here we call it washboarded. They can get so bad, they just shake your fillings out.
2: Yeah. Or break your water tank on your travel trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: that too. You can break a lot of things on your truck, and yeah. we did, and other people do. But you can drive them. But when you get to ruts that are so deep that your wheel goes into it and there's no, you know, it can't find the bottom. And there's so many of them crisscrossing that there's just no way through. Wow. Then you need, you're probably familiar with overland trucks that are, the Europeans are very big on. Yeah. Great big trucks, great big tires, 20 inches of ground clearance. A truck like that could go anywhere in Africa. A truck like ours couldn't, as it turns out. So you run into some limitations. We love the unstructured and unhurried nature of our travel. And we would never, I don't think we would ever, we certainly wouldn't now join a group tour of some kind because it takes all that away. Right. It's that independence of waking up and spending as long as you want watching the the kangaroo or the elephant or the whatever it is near you and not having somebody say, well, we've got to hit the road. Come on, folks, pack up. We couldn't do that. But other people do it and love it. So however you choose, it's easy to do. Now, Africa can be extraordinarily expensive for the fly-in tourist. Many of those uh, operations are catering to a very high-end kind of crowd. We know a German couple who flew down for five weeks and spent $40,000. Wow. Wow! Well, we can't do that, but a lot of people can. And if you can, you know, you're traveling with a crew of people who set up tents for you at night with bunks and cots and things. Right. There you a full-on five-course dinner or whatever every night and take you into the deepest of the woods on boats and helicopters and whatever. There's no end to what you can do. If you want to spend money in Africa, and I'm sure it's well worthwhile. People have done those things, describe experiences, not better than ours, but certainly different.
1: Different, right.
0: Yeah. There are lots of choices that you look into it ahead of time and make your choices and go by all means and just pick how you want to do it. Well, I
2: like your idea of, you know, for example, if you get to a place where you're seeing animals you're particularly interested in, your method of travel is, well, let's stay and look at them some more. Yeah. Whereas some of these tours, a lot of what you're doing is basically just playing keep up.
0: Understandably. I mean, I'm, I'm not faulting tour operations at all. They have a schedule. Yeah. You're here at this location for this night and you're at this other location next night. And regardless of the weather or the view or what you might choose as an individual, by God, they're going to drive you from A to B that day. And that's it.
1: You've got to get to the next stop.
0: And the distances can be pretty great. Another way people could travel in Africa, which is quite good is to have their own RV that they're renting, but be traveling as part of a group. And we know people who have done that as well. So you fly in, they meet you at the airport, take you to where the RVs are. Everybody has a meet and greet and a dinner and stuff. And then you're free to drive your own route during the day but you have to get there at the end of the day. Yeah. And some of those were 300-mile days on very difficult roads. You know, we have friends who have done that, and, and that's a difficult, too. So
2: 300 miles a day is what I try to limit us to, more or less. On and that's highways, on though. US, <laughs> highways. <laughs> U.S. highways. <So.
1: laughs> different story.
2: <laughs> different story altogether. <laughs> yeah,
1: this is on
0: unpaved
2: road. It would seem like by the end of the day, you're just completely wiped out. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. So the reason we do what we do and what we love is we get to a place, and there's a story one of our many stories from Africa starts out with this scenario that sometimes every once in a while, not as often as we'd like, we find heaven. We find perfection. We find a site that is so beautiful and a setting that is so perfect. And the weather is so great that this is why we were here. Yeah. And then you sit down there and you're, you're there for four or five days. You're not on a schedule where you say, gosh, that's really pretty. Get lots of pictures. And then let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, that's, you know our lifestyle is not suitable for everyone not everyone has the time or want to dedicate that much time to that kind of travel but it's what we love about it yeah So there's lots of ways to go to africa let's get back onto the animal front because that was marvelous yeah we saw wonderful animals in every country we were in really i mean we could tell various stories about it and we didn't even get to a lot of the famous parks you know we stopped going north when the roads got so bad And so we didn't get up into Kenya. We didn't get up into the Serengeti. We didn't get up into a lot of the most famous areas. But then the other thing about that is, just as here, the most famous areas are often overcrowded, basically spoiled, too many people, too many trucks, too much dust. People, again, we have lots of friends who have done these travels and have their own stories to tell. And when they were in the Serengeti, they described it as like smog in Los Angeles. The dust in the air from all the trucks zipping back and forth was just this brown haze all over everything. Yeah. When you go back and talk about preconceived notions, some of those things are not going to meet up with your expectations and your, your dreams. And when you're in a group, you're stuck there. And you can't say, well, I'm going to come back in a month. Let's circle back through here. Yeah. Maybe there's rain. Maybe things are a little different. There's a famous area of South Africa that illustrates this point as well. The Drakensberg Mountains are a famous area kind of in east, central, South Africa. Gorgeous peaks and valleys and cliffs and beautiful area. And we got there in September, which is the end of the harvest season. And the farmers were all burning their fields, burning the stubble off the fields. Fires, smoke everywhere. We were at the base of the mountains and couldn't see the top. It was ridiculous. (laughs) And so we said, this isn't happening. Change our route. Go around another way. Let's go to Namibia. We'll come back here next spring. And we did. And they were gorgeous and green and beautiful. Our kind of travel allows for that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's one of the many benefits of the way you do things.
0: The other thing that we have to talk about about Africa, though, was the people. And we had such good experiences with people in South Africa, people of all races, driving through the markets, shopping in the markets and with the locals, just gracious, beautiful, wonderful people, wonderful experiences. When we'd have a little trouble with the truck and have, have to have something fixed or worked on, we met wonderful people, again, of all races who ran the shops and worked on the truck and fixed things. we got a picture of me under the hood with a <laughs> young black teenager, not a word of language between us, but a water leak that needed to be fixed. And I'm pointing and he's pointing and <laughs> he's trying to do something with a screwdriver. And I say, I've got a better tool for that. And I get a little quarter inch ratchet and he's using it and he's admiring it. And, you know, this is why you travel, and this is what you experience. Every single thing that has ever gone wrong in one of our travels, I can't think of one, that didn't develop into a positive experience because of the help we got.
1: That's That's fabulous. fantastic. Yeah.
0: And the colors of Africa, the clothing that the people wear that is different from one country to another, you cross a simple border from Zambia into Tanzania, And it's like a different world. And people had said that it will be that way. You're crossing from Southern Africa into East Africa. And immediately there's a different vibe, a different tempo, a different look, a different sound. It's quite amazing. You know, you move around in the U.S. and you go from the Midwest down to the South. And you notice cultural differences, language differences, everything. You know, you notice these differences. You get to Africa and it's amplified. It's on steroids. (laughs) It's just Incredible thing. And we love that.
2: That's something that I love about traveling in Europe is, I mean, you go from Germany to France, and that's like going from California to Arizona in terms of geographical difference. But it's a whole different, I mean, obviously it's a different different country. country, but I mean, it's amazing in that smaller space how very different things are and that's you know i mean i know it goes back to the middle ages and blah 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 but it just i love that and it's it's just so cool
0: the cultural differences between countries are endlessly fascinating we spent seven weeks i think it was in a very small country of malawi and boy that's a little jewel it's not nearly as touristed it's not nearly as crowded as other areas the people are Oh, so gracious and beautiful. And the friendliness and and openness to the traveler, it was a fantastic place to be. And the the scenic beauty uh, was excellent. Animals, you know, it's just great. I was chatting with a fellow who owned a lodge there where we were staying. I said, it's kind of quiet here because we had just come from another country and it was busier. And he said, well, that's because more and more travelers are going on package tours and they're doing a week in Africa. And you have to land, you get hustled off someplace close to look at animals, you have to go this, and any. you got to see this route and see as much as possible that the tour guides have, have put together for you in a short period of time. And Malawi is just enough out of the way that they don't have direct flights from any place else. So he says you lose a day on either end with the travel. You land in Nairobi or something, and then you got to take another shuttle flight down here. Over the last 20 years, 10 years even, that has caused a a real reduction in the amount of travel they used to see there at the
1: Interesting.
0: I said, how does that work for you? He says, well, when we were starting out 20 years ago, we never would have made it with this few number of guests. Now things are paid for, things are developed. It's nice. It's relaxing. It's quiet. So if somebody wanted to go to Africa and had a little bit of extra time to spend, Kathy and I would recommend Malawi in a minute. It's a great country to visit.
1: That sounds great. So some people go and they only spend a week in the entire continent of Africa, Mm -hmm. and that's not even enough time to see one little country of Malawi. (laughs) No,
0: absolutely not. And it's one of the difficulties of modern life. It has gotten so easy to hop on a plane and go anywhere. Yeah, That's a very attractive option. But most people don't have a lot of time. When you get retired, then you have a lot of time, but then a lot of people don't really have the Ambition or the energy or whatever to go far away, right? And you know, there's safety in numbers. There's lots. Again, I don't badmouth any traveler. Anybody who wants to get on a plane and go somewhere, do it. Go yeah. for it. But there are a lot of lost opportunities when you're in too much of a hurry. Whether it's twelve countries in Europe in nine days or trying to see Malawi in <laughs> nine days.
2: And a lot of it is, you know, how much marketing that destination does. You know, I mean, sure. they're they're all spending their money trying to tell us the story of, hey, come here, come here. And yeah. if a place like Malawi doesn't have that kind of budget, and it might be fantastic, but yeah. it may be more off the beaten path. But that makes it more of a place I would be interested in. Yeah.
0: yeah, Yes. That's the way travel works. There's another quote on our homepage down near the bottom that I can't uh, quote exactly. There are a few travelers in the modern age, but lots of tourists. Travel has become more of a commodity and you check on a box and I can afford this much for a package tour to someplace and I go, but not nearly as much individual involvement and exploration can go on because of that. So that's our lifestyle. Yeah. Africa is a fantastic place to visit. Don't be put off by the news. I don't say ignore the the news. You've got to pay attention any place you're going, whether it's in the U.S., and you want to be careful of this area or that area or any place in the world. You can't just be naive and just go anywhere, anytime. But don't be too put off by what you see on the TV news because that's only catching the worst of the worst usually sell them the best of the best. Yeah. And it ignores the whole middle ground, which is where people really live.
2: Yep. Yeah. That's the job of the news is to sell the news. And so yeah. as somebody who has written for newspapers for a while, the old expression, if it bleeds, it leads is absolutely <laughs> true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if you have an interest in a place, do some research deeper than just top of your head and don't listen to somebody who says, oh, you can't go there. This is equally true of Mexico right next to the U.S., yeah. Now, again, the caveat I have to offer is we haven't been there in some time. We would be there right now if it weren't for the virus, <laughs> but we haven't been there in over 10 years. So you have to do your research. You have to do your, your planning.
1: Right. But like you said, that's true anywhere.
0: Yeah. Up until COVID hit, we have friends who have been in Mexico every winter for 30 years and never stopped, kept going. It's still very doable. And we love Mexico. That cultural experience you talk about crossing a border and having a different place to be. (laughs) It's very true of Mexico. Get past the border, get down into Colonial Mexico, along the beaches on the Pacific side or anywhere you want to go. Mexico is a pretty fantastic place.
2: Especially like, I have traveled all over Mexico and I love the whole Baja Peninsula. I mean, it's just, it's a fantastic place. And I had an uncle who used to spend, he was a school teacher and he spent his summers down there in his van with the rowboat that was on top (laughs) and lived on the beaches during summer, taught school in the rest of the year. and, And the people... And the food, and I mean, you're right. I think anywhere in the world, border towns are mostly miserable. But, gosh, once you get into the heart of Mexico, it is fantastic. And the different foods, and the people, and the scenery, and the historic buildings, and it's marvelous.
0: Absolutely, we look forward to getting back.
2: Now I want (laughs) to (laughs) go. It's been a while since I've been, and I darn it, I want to go back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Africa is a wonderful place. Do your homework, do some research, decide how to go. And maybe I uh, haven't hardly mentioned, but it's one of our favorite places. Beautiful sand dunes, beautiful desert kind of scenery. South Africa is, again, a large and varied country, lots of different areas. We've shipped into and flew into Durban in, in the eastern coast of South Africa, pretty far south. And the very first park we went to, I mean, we hadn't been in the country maybe four days at that point. And we're just sitting there with our jaws dropped, <laughs> looking across on the nation. Ridge at the elephants and the lions walking by and zebras, so many wonderful animals in Africa that you just fall in love with, begin to see their, their personalities and, and learn them. We have some great pictures from Africa. I encourage anybody who's listening in to, to go and, and see our stories and, re- and look at our pictures.
2: Hey, your website is fantastic.
0: Again, it comes back to sharing and encouraging and inspiring people. That's what we try to do. But by all means, go to Africa.
2: Any closing bits of advice for folks? I would suggest, of course, going to your website. We will provide links to that so people can go because it's just fascinating and that's how we found you. And again, we really appreciate your taking the time to spend with us and take us on your journeys, which are fascinating. In fact, I hope we can have you back in the future. I mean, you just, I really appreciate it.
0: Closing thoughts are don't make too many plans. Don't operate off of a checklist of things you'd have to see. Certainly, there are some famous places that really are must-sees. You must go to Paris. You must stand at the foot of the Eiffel Tower. You must go to Machu Picchu in Peru. There are lots of things you really must do. You must go to Venice. But choose your times and your methods of travel, not just to avoid the peak season, because these days people travel all year round. Yeah. You have to be into a shoulder season where you say, well, the weather might not be as good, but we will trade cold weather for fewer people any day of the week. The crowds drive everything. Yeah. You get to a place like Venice, just as a, an example, don't stay on the beaten path. Don't go from this hot spot to that hot spot. and that. In Venice, you can either walk with a crowd of people or you can go two blocks off of that path and see Venice in a much more unspoiled way. That's just one example. Mm. Uh, Dubrovnik in Croatia is the same answer. The bay may be full of cruise ships. The main market may be so crammed you don't want anything to do with it. Walk a block or two off the path and it's there for you. So do that. If you're traveling in an RV or choosing an RV, it's the smallest one you think you can be happy with. You folks have done that. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: that's our thinking too.
0: The limitations that a big unit gives you going down the road and trying to visit any place are far more of a detraction to us than the appeal of having more room Spread out and sit around inside. Right. Every person, every couple, every family has to find a balance on that. And if you're traveling with your kids, it obviously needs more room than we do. But nonetheless, the same basic rule is true: find the smallest thing you think you can all survive in, and start there, and then go smaller from that next time.
2: <laughs> I think that's brilliant. And then if it's not spacious enough inside, if you've planned your weather travel accordingly. Yep. Get a like a clam tent and one of you could be outside. Spend more time outside.
0: outside. (laughs) The kids can sleep in tents most of the time. There's lots of ways to do it, but it's easy to go to an RV show, and walk into any RV, whatever size or type it is, and say, that's really nice and we like this and that, and then go to the next one over that's two feet longer and say, oh, wow, I like this closet or that closet, and pretty soon you got something 40 feet long or 36 feet (laughs) long. And you can't go as many yeah. places. The idea is to go places.
2: I just wrote a review of a 53 foot fifth wheel. <laughs> 53 oh, no. feet. You have to haul it with a semi tractor.
0: Yeah. yeah, you know, you can't take it all with you. You have to. You're making yeah. a choice for it. <laughs> a 53 foot RV with six slides or whatever it might be, you do the computations, and it's probably not 500 square feet. 600 square feet, maybe or something that big, but it's still a tiny house. Yeah. You can't make into your house and you don't want to. If you want your house, stay home. Yeah. Traveling in an RV should be about the traveling, not the sitting around part. Right.
2: Richard and Kathy, thank you so, so much for your time. It's been a pleasure getting to know you here. And it's our pleasure, too.
1: Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you, Kathy, for <laughs>
2: <laughs> giving us Rick for a couple of hours. <laughs>
1: <Quite more. laughs> we have had such a blast learning about your fascinating travels and your wonderful ability to get out there and see the world, and we hope that we do get to talk to you again really soon in the meantime happy travels
2: absolutely good health and happy travels and have a great rest of your day and thank you for your time thank you and so much we look forward to talking to you in the future
0: all right be in touch Likewise. all right okay all right great.
2: thank you take care, guys take
1: care did you make our camping reservations
2: no everything's full we might have to rethink our trip
1: no way did you look at boondockers welcome You remember they have hosts all over the place where we can stay free. Some that are totally off-grid camping and some with partial and even full hookups. There's all kinds of great places to overnight.
2: Of course! And we even have a coupon code to join Boondockers Welcome on our partners page. You could save five bucks when you sign up. How could I forget? There are all kinds of great places we can find on the Boondockers Welcome website. Our trip is saved! And
1: speaking of saving money, we will, since there's no charge to stay at any boondockers welcome site it's the best deal out there and it's a great way to meet local hosts and stay in local places and expand our journey
2: well i'm gonna finish planning our epic road trip and it's gonna be even better with stays we find on the boondockers welcome website and it's so easy to locate hosts along your next epic adventure We are. Wow. Yeah. We're
1: we're back from Africa. It feels like that's like the title of a movie or something. Yeah. Right.
2: Now back from Africa.
1: But anyway, gosh, imagine being able to chip your RV all
2: over the world and... And having the gumption to do it and to yeah, just do it. You know, yeah. it's one of those, a lot of people, including us, dream about stuff. And it's like, eh, in our next lifetime. And right? you know, you only get one as far as we know. So they're doing it right, in my opinion. Yeah. So we, as you may know, bought a new truck not too long ago. It's a Ram 1500. And... And one of the things that Rams are known for when I used to sell RVs, if somebody would come in with either a Ram or a Toyota Tundra, they have relatively soft springs in their half ton trucks. And so they got
1: saggy bottoms. They have saggy (laughs) bottoms when you, even
2: when you load them lightly, because they're really tuned to ride comfortably. And they do. Yeah. But we are having airbags installed in the back of our truck. And one of the cool things about this is it doesn't increase your payload capacity necessarily what it kind of does is it makes handling the payload that it's rated for better and it does that by essentially offering a way to stiffen up the rear springs so that they're better able to overcome weight that's put on them. And the reason I say it doesn't increase your cargo carrying capacity necessarily is that you still have to stop what you're towing. Right. You still have to corner it and you still have to be able to handle it. So I wouldn't say airbags increase the weight rating that you can carry, I would say it makes it a better towing experience. So what these things do, especially in the Ram, which is, they're so easy to install. You basically insert them in the coil springs and they inflate and deflate. So you put a provision to have a Schrader valve, which is what you have on your tires to inflate them and you're all set. And it's literally an afternoon install. It's, I don't know, 120 bucks or something like that for the airbags, something like that. Can we
1: do that dance thing? No,
2: no, it's not. Not
1: (laughs) Oh, that's hydraulic.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, okay, so... And now, warning, here comes a tangent. (laughs) So, you look at lowrider cars, right? And they have these elaborate hydraulic suspensions. Why hasn't somebody thought to put that in a pickup truck for hauling i don't know and i guess in some ways that is what we did right (laughs) so these airbags you basically add air to them to kind of stiffen the rear suspension so it doesn't sag as much and so your headlights are aimed properly
1: right so we kind of could do it well (laughs) slowly (laughs) we probably wouldn't
2: yeah but I mean, yeah, I always wondered that. I'm like, you know, these guys have really figured out these elaborate suspensions. They can raise and lower a car. They can make a car jump. They can raise just the left side or the right side and all this stuff. And it's really cool to watch. But I, it's
1: only so they can dance. It's not so they can hold more passengers or more capacity. <laughs> no, no. I don't think that
2: they're worried about towing with the lowrider cars. Although, who knows? Maybe, maybe. I'm sure there's that one out there. I'm sure and he's there like, is. Hey, 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 what about me?
1: I can use my hydraulic lifts to, right? to airbag the back of my car.
2: <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool to have those on a trailer? And then you could, I mean, not make the trailer <laughs> dance. Although, you know, there's some entertainment value right there. Well, isn't
1: that what automatic leveling is? Well, yeah, but kind that of?
2: doesn't affect the suspension. They're like um. posts that come down. Although I guess in some ways the rockwood little toy hauler with the air suspension does have that so yes
1: that's right
2: anyway so what the airbags (laughs) do is make the truck just better able to handle the load and not sag and have your headlights aim properly and it's a simple easy inexpensive upgrade super
1: yeah So last week, we asked the question of the week. It's funny that we asked this on Facebook. Are you tired of Facebook? Yeah, right? (laughs) Would you be more interested in participating in private forums rather than the Facebook forums? And we got some responses, and what we found out is that, let's see, 16 people voted. Yes, they're tired of Facebook, and they won off. Yeah. But only eight, only half of those, or some other eight, I don't know, are kind of tired of Facebook, but they're not really interested in private forums, And just as many people still like Facebook. So it's really kind of all over the place. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people nowadays are that familiar with private forums, because once Facebook came, private forums kind of took a way back seat. Well,
2: one of the examples of a private forum is like the frog forum, the Forest River Owners Group. And that's a private forum. And here's, okay, here's some... A little bit more nerdiness for (laughs) me. Having run forums many, many years ago in dial-up form, believe it or not, one of the things Facebook really did is make this whole process crazy easy. And so let's say you have a photograph on your phone. There is no challenge to get that on Facebook, right? Right. It used to be download it as a JPEG and then re-upload it and it can only be so big and blah, blah, blah. And even worse when you got to anything that was a a movie. It's like, well, you have to compress it in this format and download it and it can only be so big. (laughs) And And Facebook's like, yeah, just give it to me. I'll figure it out. And that has been something to their credit. And I think that is a factor in why people like it so much. They have just taken care of the technical side of it.
1: Right. And so, you know, probably Facebook's not going to go away.
2: No, I I will admit that
1: Facebook often. Well, every time I'm on my laptop, I have a warning at the top of the Facebook page that says this page is using too much memory and you should shut it down. Yeah. And sometimes it's super slow. and And so there are things. But, you know, I think there are good and bad points to everything. And one of the other things that I think Facebook is good at is in the Facebook forums, if there's someone who's giving you a hard time, you can block that one person. And I'm not sure how easy that is to do in private forums because someone did point out that who's to say that people are going to be any kinder in private forums than they are in right. Facebook forums. I think, unfortunately, the anonymity warriors. Yeah. of keyboard warriors is just a thing now.
2: It really is. A lot of people have lost their manners. But I mean, I have to say, even in the olden days, Back in the old days of ChatLine, which was the online dial-up forum that I ran, there were keyboard warriors then. It's just human nature. And sure. one of the things to do, and that's something that we do in our own friendly Facebook group, is really monitor the tone right. and the people. You know, it's a fully free Information exchange, but if you're going to be a jerk, you get the boot. (laughs) It's just, it's that simple. Right. That's one way of fixing Facebook is just go see the things you specifically are interested in and go to places that are well managed.
1: So this week, we kind of touched on this last week and we didn't ask it because we already had some things in mind, but I'm curious now how many of our listeners are full timers. How many of our listeners are weekenders and how many of our listeners are dreamers?
2: Yeah, so that's the question of the week, which you can find on our super-friendly Facebook forum.
1: That super-friendly Facebook forum is?
2: Stressless Camping Podcast Forum, which you can find starting at the Stressless Camping website and going right over to the forums.
1: And is there also a link in our weekly newsletter? There is
2: a link in our weekly newsletter and we do a weekly newsletter and it's absolutely free and there are not only things that we have written about, including recipes and stories and tips and checklists and all of that. But we also bring you some things from around the internet that I think might be of interest to our viewers. Yes. So you can sign up on our website at StresslessCamping.com.
1: And please know that if you do that, that information that you give us, your email address is what we're going to use to send you a weekly newsletter. We're not going to sell it. We're not going to give it away. Nope. We're not going to post it on Facebook. Oh dear. <laughs> we don't share that. We simply use it so that we can keep in touch with you once a week and that's it
2: yeah and then of course if you have a question then you can write back and we're happy to answer those and might even share them here so of course we are in all the cool social places
1: we are and if you just go to www.stresslesscamping.com you can find links to jump off to all those cool places
2: that's right you know what else is there discounts and deals for the things you'll need on your stressless camping adventure and if you've got a great deal for our audience let us know we're happy to share them
1: so please if you don't want to miss future episodes of stressless camping podcast don't forget on any podcast app it's free to subscribe tell your friends Tell your neighbors. Tell the guy at the grocery store. (laughs) Well, you know, from six feet away. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Tell everybody. And we're going to save a seat for you around our virtual campfire. We'll all scooch our chairs back and make room for more.
2: All 9.4 million of you.
1: (laughs) And if you would be so kind as to take a moment and write us a review, we would so appreciate that. That helps us so much.
2: Well, it also helps in that it tells Apple that we are actually doing a good job and that means that apple tells other people and that means we get better guests so that's what's in it for you
1: right so we love having guests and it's a lot easier to get guests and find guests when we have a whole lot of listeners
2: so thank you again for spending time with us here this week we hope you have some exciting camping adventures coming up and until then happy happy camping. camping